Welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me, as always, is Curtis Eastwood. Curtis, how are you doing over there? The clouds seem to have lifted from your head. I can see a glow. <laughs> How's the mental health doing over there? It's good. It's Hey, you know, life is always good when my Seahawks win. Yeah. Uh, it's weird having more, having a larger number in the loss column than it is the win column, but we've been down this road before. Uh, yeah. It's nice to get that. It's nice, it's nice to get the, the win column number up a little bit more. Just a little. Yeah. A little yeah. bit. And yeah. you know, it, we're not too far behind yet. We're, we're, we're in the race for the seventh seed. In the totally. Playoffs, right? Yeah. Yeah. I feel the same way. Alana. How are you doing over there? Okay. Yeah. It was a long okay. weekend. I hate <laughs> Halloween <it>? so much. <laughs> I, I, I do not actually have the vocabulary to properly articulate how much I hate this holiday. Now, but you, I do you, I do have a cute kid who dressed as a Dalek and I dressed as the lady doctor. So yeah. <laughs> and that. you made the Dalek costume. I did, yes. Uh, well, how long Beth, did that take? You know, we did it in, in fits and starts over the course of about two and a half weeks. Yeah. So that's nice. Yeah. She, the kid was thrilled. She actually, I don't know if you can tell in this picture, she has a little um, octopus pinned to her shirt or her dress. <laughs> and the octopus has a frowny face on, and it's meant to be the actual body of the Dalek. Yeah. Um, all slimy and gross. There were very few people who understood her costume, but that's, <laughs> that's the way okay. of things. Yeah. And then we got Millie. How are you doing? How's the how's the fantasy team? Uh, you know, we continue to go in two directions. Uh, one in Much the like uh, dynasty, lost in the uh, my Folger League, and I've never, I don't think I've ever been ranked so low in that league, so it, it hurts a little. But mm. I'm just putting all my dollars in my uh, dynasty instead. It's fine. Uh, who's the starting quarterback for that team? Josh Allen. Ooh. Ooh. That's Ooh, doggy! <laughs> yeah, who are your who are your running backs? Um, let's see. I've got Dalvin Cook. Okay. I've got Eckler. Um, gosh, uh, I got Chuba Chuba Hubba. <laughs> that came in handy that, real quick. Is that the team you got Tyler Lockett in? I do not have Tyler Lockett on that team. Okay. Um, I do have him on my other team. And yeah. despite all the people points. saying not to play him this week, I did play him good for you and felt super good about myself, but then I still lost by like 13 points. So that hurt. Yeah. Well, you know, it didn't hurt the Seahawks playing the Jaguars. Not that was at a all. Good game. That, that was, was a, that was a, a, a palate cleanser. I, uh, I was afraid that we were going to play like a close game against easily the worst team in the NFL right now, but we didn't, we absolutely creamed them. We creamed them so hard. Like they were embarrassed. Like I could see urban Meyer just wanted to like crawl up under his covers and just like, like hide from once Homer took uh, the the the, uh, the ball back for a touchdown on on the offsides on an offsides kick. Urban Meyer just looked like his mother died. Like oh my all god, the it looked, like, it looked, just like, it looked like he 
he smelled like a like the biggest stinkiest fart on the sideline and yeah. like but he had I that look see... on his face all game long kind it's of but then the game is body. the game is too hard for urban meyer he is he looks like he's a kindergartner he... playing in uh varsity sports it's been a long time since fire I've... him because i want him to continue to like just stew in that misery for like <laughs> another nine games well, what was never funny seen to me about NFL... that last that last uh that play from homer was that you know the first time they did it it was offside and they had to re-kick it or whatever whatever reason they had to do it over again and it was the exact same yep. same yeah yeah it was and like here was... let's give you a practice on this they, they, <laughs> you not see what just happened when you kicked it that way because he really could have scooped that up then I mean, it I just, think they got Seattle's old special teams coach down there. Too. They do. Yeah, that's Schneider. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I had a great time. Uh, the Seahawks just kind of dominated on in all aspects of that game. Millie, what'd you see? I saw first of all a beautiful sunny day here in Seattle. I mean, it was like. <laughs> The clouds parted and the sun came out after for, you know, our 12s of listeners who don't live here in uh, Seattle, after weeks and weeks of constant rain, it was like, it's our time. We're going to give, we're going to give Gino perfect weather. There will be no excuses. Here we go. And uh, mostly I just want to say it was super fun for me to watch my pocket locket come back and remind everybody uh, what he's capable of so that made me super happy but mm. I saw all kinds of great stuff I mean really great passes um especially you know just different it, it, you know I didn't feel like we were trying to make the same play happen over and over we weren't trying to force a run that wasn't there um yeah and and I also just continue to question why we keep Rashad Penny around but other than that <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching just well, about every aspect it, of the game. Rumor has it Seahawks were were shopping him around before the trade deadline, and just nobody nobody bit. Not after that performance. And LJ Collier is the same yeah. way; he's just buried on the depth chart. I, I I have to say, I think this was Waldron's most complete game of the season. <laughs> um, I loved what Waldron did on offense, uh, you know, just like sort of the multiple looks the, and uh, the misdirection stuff that um, is just kind of in his DNA, in his offensive DNA. Mm. But I loved the way he used Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and how he was like, let's just make, the, well, there's no reason we can't just make them the offense right now. We'll make Tyler the engine that makes this offense go and DK will be the big play guy. And let's just create some opportunities for these dudes. And Gino took full advantage of it. And I dearly hope that he continues that trend when Russ comes back, because I think Russ can destroy a defense if, uh, if they keep giving those two guys all the opportunities they gave him in the Jaguars game. And then you have a nice uh, safety valve too with either um, uh, Everett or Disley. If they or could Disley. Just, I, they, they still didn't get it to the tight ends in this game, but it didn't matter as much because Lockett had, what was he, eight for eight in the first half? And yeah. Um, and uh, Gino I think he was, finished 12 of like 143 or something. Right. You know, DK had a couple touchdowns, a, a couple even, beautiful touchdowns. There was a record for the most completions in a row 
from the yeah, start of 14, the game. Yeah, he, he started 14 and 14 and 14. So I mean, Gino now holds the best uh, completion percentage of any Seahawk. <laughs> that's, uh, that's, I think, yeah, it was, it was it, I, I saw something tweeted out about that. I think in 2006, Hasselback had maybe like a slightly higher okay. uh, completion percentage during one game against like maybe like Detroit or something like that. I don't Team know. That's but, always sucked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, I mean, Gino, you know, he's not Russ, but you know, if you have him, he looks like he could be a system quarterback. Like if you allowed, I, I really think like the big, distinction between uh what we saw out of the offense against jacksonville as opposed to monday night against the saints in my mind was that um carol gave waldron the keys to the offense back yeah. to like yes. call the offense as Wald. this is just my own belief on it as waldron would have because i can't imagine like going back to that game against the Saints, that that Shane Waldron coming out of that Sean McVay offense that's like a Ferrari down in L.A., um, that he would call a conservative run it up the gut on, uh, on, on third and two in super tight formation. Where the <laughs> yeah, when the defense is literally like showing that. 11 in the box. Right. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and it seemed like the the best runs that happened against Jacksonville was when Seattle was spread out with yeah. multiple receivers. Like that's when they were choosing to run, you know, they were running in favorable situations, which is the Rams. Offense. And giving the ball to non, you know, non running backs, which is nice to see on some of the uh, sweeps and yeah. stuff like that. Um, I had fun with that. I like Gino a lot. I, you know, he's not the playmaker that Russ is, but I think when an offense is as well designed as we saw against the Jaguars, he can take full advantage of it. He can make any throw. Um, I mean, some of those passes were just dimes like on yeah. the money he was hitting locket in stride uh there's a lot looked, of catch and run stuff he yeah. put the ball right where the receiver could catch it in stride and go you know? yeah so, yeah yeah yes yeah, yeah, fantastic great. accuracy and just well-designed plays that he could execute and i just mm. really hope that russell wilson is watching from the sideline and absolutely seeing that if you <laughs> If you listen and try, maybe it will work. And and just like yeah, like like surrender to the system a little bit. Just and, a little. Know, just it's a little. I mean, and it's ultimately going to benefit him if he surrender. His stats are going to get padded like crazy because the totally. system is designed for a quarterback like Russ. So like, do it and and it'll work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because yeah. honestly, with a defense that is better than what we got with the. Jaguars, you're not going to be able to have it quite so easy. You're going to need to be able to evade and escape and do those right. things that Russell Wilson can do and very few other elite quarterbacks can. Yeah. And that system and the playmakers that we have, uh, you know, the little dump off that seems like you're only going to get six yards, DK can turn that into an 84 yard touchdown. You know what I mean? Like if you at eight yards and you hit Tyler Lockett in stride, he can take that for another 30, um, you know, 
I, 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 I dearly hope that Russell is uh, um, watching that and getting in his playbook and kind of getting a little more comfortable with that. Uh, Alana, before, what uh, real quick, before we yeah. move on from Jacksonville, I, I wanted to bring up um, a little dork board moment for you all, which is um, we did actually have a dork board on uh, Urban Meyer still being the coach. Mm. Oh, right. Yeah. And I, uh, I just wanted you all to know that uh, Alana said no. Curtis said, no, it would be Schottenheimer. And uh, Dan and I both said yes. And then Dan said that when he loses 50 to nothing with the Seahawks, he would oh. then get fired. I have to say, here's the thing. I just want to make this comment. Now, I made that prediction, you know, before Russ got hurt. If Russ had been in this game, there's no doubt in my mind that we would have put a 50 <laughs> burger on that goddamn team. It I thought we were like so that, close to a shutout. So that close. Cardinals game from a few years ago when they went, won 59 to I zero. was at that game. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excellent. It was excellent. Um, when did when, anybody know what's the Jack, what's the Jaguars bye week? Has it passed already? I think I think Urban Meyer might be going I'll then. Check it. Anyway. It sounded I, like their owner down there, uh, what's his name? Khan is that, yeah. Yeah, he he gave some sort of vote of confidence on Monday or something like that. I think he kind of it was before to. the Seahawks. They were coming out of their bye yeah. when we played them. They were okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's why I thought okay. it was going to be more competitive. It's uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're that's right. Up. That's right. Yeah. So and we have this team that looked really good. Uh, even the defense um, was making plays uh, the, the, for the past three games. Um, I think they've held the offenses to an average of like 215 yards a game or something like that. Whereas they were before they were giving up more than 350. Um, we got a new cat uh, playing cornerback that started when this trend of the defense started getting a little bit better. Curtis, are you sold on the defense? And from what you saw against Jacksonville, do these Seahawks have a shot at, you know, getting into the playoffs? Sure. If they can get Russell back, uh, if they can get Russell back somewhere uh, within the next couple games, um, they have a shot. I'm, I'm not totally sold on the defense yet because I feel like their improvements have happened over the last three games against teams that don't have good offenses. Yeah. Um, you know, the Steelers aren't putting up great offensive numbers. Um, you know, the Saints have been struggling a bit or a little bit more sort of hit and miss with them. And then Jacksonville's, you know, terrible um so i just i, I want to see what that defense does against aaron Rodgers. i want to see what that, that defense does against kyler murray you know before i'm sort of ready that to defense even gets to play kyler murray right yeah is he he's injured right is yeah. yeah yeah and even if yeah. the defense gets kyler yeah. murray it might be a hobbled kyler murray which yeah uh, that's so good news for the seahawks yeah that's 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 the reason why i'm not a total buyer on Kyler Murray either. <laughs> this happened to him last year as well. He right. got hurt yeah. halfway through the season and all the wheels came off. Yeah. I, I gotta see, I gotta see, I gotta see what that defense does against a good offense. You know, the yeah. last time they played a good offense, it was, it was the Rams and we all know what happened in that game. Um, Although we did play we, yeah. the Rams pretty well. 
Up I mean, we made Matt Stafford look like Matt Stafford. Until he like threw a, that bomb to Jackson you, where right. there was yeah. three and, people yeah. right there and they like, you know, uh, I just can't even go back <laughs> to that game. Now I got to see more out of the defense. I think they can make a run. I think they can make it interesting. I wouldn't put money down on them being a playoff team, but I think that if Russ comes back and is rejuvenated and has had enough time to sort of watch the Waldron offense, you know, from the sidelines and maybe gain fresh perspective, you know, that he doesn't always have to play the hero ball. Um, I think, I think Seattle can be an exciting fun team to watch in December. Um, yeah. We're yeah. certainly going to get to see that. Uh, you know, how we stack up. I mean, we're about to see one of the best offenses in the league right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a team that typically plays the Seahawks pretty dang tough. Um, in yeah. Green we haven't Bay won in Green Bay since 1999. Woof. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough game. Uh, and Aaron Rodgers, uh, it feels like after week one, Aaron Rodgers is on a fuck you tour. You know, what a brick. Just what a brick. And you know, he really hates he 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 is not like Russell Wilson at all. No, he just no. loves to freaking beat Russell Wilson. I think Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson are like the opposite ends of the quarterback spectrum, just in terms of personality and how they lead yeah. their teams. Yeah. Yeah. Russell Wilson's like Obi-Wan Kenobi, and you know, Aaron Rodgers is like Darth Maul. You know, it's just like he's a total Sith. He just he's full. He, every can we use it? Maybe maybe a non-Star Wars analogy huh? that I might understand. I got two yeah. analogies in life. I've got football analogies and Star Wars analogies. It's like Khan and Kirk. Ah, powerful <laughs> yeah. enemies. Yes. Yeah, Connor Kirk, or uh, or Kirk and Mary Universe Kirk. There you go. <laughs> Alana, if 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 Russ comes back for Green Bay, what are our chances? So my yeah, I think he is going to come back. I think he wants to be out there. Most of the um, stuff that I heard was that once the pin comes out, he needs a week, uh, and if we which have we a bye week. Yeah, which yeah. we got. So I'm looking at the schedule here, and like. I feel like Arizona won Washington, San Francisco, and Houston. Those four games are W's. Easily winnable. Uh, and then we got the Rams in LA, which that's a big question mark because who knows where they're going to be at in the conference uh, 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 alignment. And then we've got Bears and Lions. Those are both W's. So we've got, like, for me, that's six W's out of the next games, which puts us at, like, nine and five. And then the question is, how does Green Bay shake out? How does the Rams game shake out? And where is where are the Cardinals in week 18? Right. Um, uh, and... You know, I feel like we just need to win one of the two of Green Bay and Arizona. If we win both, we're at 500. Right. You if know, we win I, both, if, then if, I think if, they're a playoff team. Yeah. And if I still we win th both, they're a playoff team. Right. I agree. 
If um, we split, we've got some juice. If we lose both, I think you can put a fork in the season. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, even if, yeah, they'll lose both, then they'll go on a four-game win streak, then lose to the Rams, lose to the Bears, and it's over. Um, but they win one of those games. Like, I feel like it's a really good shot. I feel good about this Green Bay game. I There is nothing more. There's only one thing I like as much as a Seahawks win, and that's a Packers loss. And so, like, <laughs> I'm going to be really hoping for it. Uh, and I think that the defense, I do believe a little bit more in this defense. I still think we should fire Ken Norton because I don't think it's him that this turnaround has been. I think it's just the players, like, making that. it work. Yeah. Um, I wish we would have picked up Dan Quinn over the summer. I think you mentioned that yeah, one yeah. a few weeks ago, Daniel. Um, look at that! Look at that cowboy defense. Look at that cowboy yeah. defense. Yeah. yeah. No, um, sure. I think I I have a good feeling because I think everybody is counting out the Seahawks. I think Russell comes back. I think we beat Green Bay, uh, and I think Aaron Rodgers throws a gigantic hissy fit, <laughs> just about whatever because he's a little whiny baby. Um, who I think the grew out that mullet so we could have a John Wick costume for Halloween. Ugh. Like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, you are... Ugh. Yeah, you're no Keanu. <laughs> I, I think the coaching staff in Seattle believes in these players. I believe in these players. I, I, I think we have a good roster. I think uh, John Schneider believes that. I think Pete Carroll believes that and the rest of the coaching staff because we didn't make any kind of trades right um in in you know at the deadline it not even like the splashy ones you know discounting that but we didn't even bring any kind of reinforcements or anything like that i think these coaches are satisfied with the talent they have and they just need to put it together i'm hopeful that it's starting to come together um uh but i do feel like ken norton jr is a handicap yeah, and I really yeah, do wish yeah, we had somebody else. Daryl Taylor is not a handicap, though. Daryl Taylor. That guy. He, well, by the way, Darryl, like no, being able to come about. back after mm-hmm. the hit that he took a couple weeks ago and then play like he's been playing, uh, he he's uh, I, he's going to be a star. Uh, he he's going to be a star. He's and a star when, already. Yeah, but when he can get like a defensive coordinator who can actually call a defense, he's going to have 15 sacks in a season. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Um, Millie, how did we do in our predictions? Well, you know, it was super fun <laughs> um, because we all decided to go with the W. So we all got it right. Yay. Yay. But I will. I'm going to give myself a shout out because I did say we were going to win and we were going to win soundly and we were going to win 24 to 10. Wow. Oh, very close. It almost on the nose. I I feel real good about that. You should. (laughs) You Um, should, should we predict for this green Bay game? Not knowing like who's going to be behind center. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. Curtis, give me a prediction. I don't think I don't think Wilson's going to play in this one. I think they're going to hold it back for the home game against Arizona. So I'm going to go with the Green Bay win. Uh, I think it's going to be a um, 
I think it's going to be kind of a 31-20 game. Okay. Alana. I think Russell does play because I think Russell wants to lead by example. I think Russell wants to get out there. I think Russell has a similar distaste for Aaron Rodgers because there was that whole like magic water thing that Russell got into uh, that they kind of went back and forth in. And like, I think Russell has a nano bubbles. Thank you. Nano bubbles has a serious distaste for that guy. And it's another reason I like Russell because fuck Aaron Rodgers. I think that it's a 23, 21 game uh, and the Seahawks pull it out. Millie, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I, I don't think we are going to win in Green Bay. And I, I'm on the fence if Russell's going to be there. I'm going to go no Russ on this. Um, and I think we lose. Um, and I really, really hate Green Bay. You can go back to our first episode where I, I talked about the horrible Aaron Rodgers attitude. But unfortunately, I think they take it. Uh, I think they're going to take it. 28-17. All right. I do think Russ is coming back. I think he's coming in with a vengeance. I think the Seahawks are starting to figure some things out. Shane Waldron's going to call a great game. It's going to be a shootout. And the Seahawks are going to win at 30-28. to 28. We both picked two point differentials there, yeah. Daniel. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, obviously, we have a bye next week, uh, but in, in a couple, we're going to see what happens. Um, I'm crossing my fingers for Russ. If anybody could come back from that injury in that time frame, it's Russell fucking Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's a machine. Um, uh, I've been watching, I, I've watched every cracking game of the season so far. Nice. Has, has, it, has anybody been keeping up? I've been following and uh, I've had a cable outage for the last three weeks. So uh, mm-hmm. I haven't been able to watch as much as I'd like, but um, I was able to catch a little bit of the game against, I actually turned it on and it was three to two Edmonton. And uh-huh. then I left the room and came back and it was four to two. Four Edmonton. <laughs> and I was like, okay, this game's over. <laughs> Hockey's a little harder to come back from at the end of the game, but. I've been paying uh, especially at two point deficit. Yeah. Yeah. It, within like four minutes of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Totally back from that. Um, uh, Curtis, Millie, have either of you been, been watching? Uh, I haven't watched cause I don't have the pack. Root sports. The, I don't yeah. have the root sports thing and I'm angry at the NHL for not giving me my cracking on an easier sort of thing where I don't have to like commit to like, comcast or anything uh but i listened to the game Uh tonight on the radio and i was a little um i've never been a big nhl person uh i'm the first to admit this but uh i'm an 80s uh i'm an 80s kid at heart wayne gretzky oilers i kind of like the oilers yeah um uh i uh i made out with a girl up in edmonton one time uh and congratulations uh, was, edmonton's a special place for me you know uh uh so i didn't feel bad about the edmonton oilers whooping up on my kraken because my krakens they're just they're getting their feet wet in the end. they are getting their feet wet millie they're doing you know pretty well i i am uh i am pleased it does seem that um it's kind of, you know, it's one way or, or the other, which of mm-hmm. course I mean, you either win or you lose, but 
uh, caught a little of that uh, Oilers game and it's like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> I mean, there was one goal. It was, I, I mean, I don't know anyone's names yet. So I think of him as the other goalie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Drackard. Yeah, yeah. It, it was his night, you know, and, and when I started watching, it was right before there was a goal where, I mean, he just was completely turned the wrong way and they just yeah. snuck it right in. And I'm like, he's, oh, he's no. the third stringer. Their second stringer, <laughs> Dreger, is actually pretty good and uh, experienced. And he just looked like a new goalie playing some. Yeah. Edmonton I, has I some really good that, players. Connor McDavid's on Edmonton, right? What's that? Connor McDavid is on Edmonton. Is that oh, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I also caught um, a bunch of that of the wild game where we that was a great game four to one and that was yeah. super fun to watch so you know it's we're all over the place i'm trying to see what our record is it's not um i bad. think we're we've got seven points we're definitely last in the pacific it's very very early we, we are season, not so last in the much. pacific the uh canucks are last right now okay um nice but uh, um close. i've been watching them since game one and I am very impressed at their development. They are playing like an expansion team um, and, and be like they should. Um, I mean, number one, the, it, clearly the direction the GM is and, and the coach is going for is getting the young talent uh, before their superstars, right? And kind of, and giving them the experience. There's a reason why they didn't bring in any of the, many of the more experienced superstar players that were kind of on that um, expansion draft block. Um, and they're playing like players that have never played with each other before. And hockey, like, unlike a lot of sports, really relies on team chemistry and line chemistry. And I think the coaching staff is still trying to figure that out a little bit, who plays best together. Um, but they're doing a lot of things right. Uh, that Minnesota Wild game, uh, they dominated. I mean, you know, that second period, um, they outshot by a ridiculous amount. Um, and then in they, they've lost their last two games against very, very good uh, teams in the Rangers. And the Oilers are like probably going to, like, you know, go all the way to the championship. Um, but they're creating goal opportunity, goal scoring opportunities. Uh, and they just need it. There's, there's things that I see that will get fixed and it's things like one player will pass to another, right? Like, like he, he kind of like shows the goalie that he's going to make the goal. And then there's another player on the other side of the net that has the shot then. So he passes it to the player and you can see the other player, he's got the open shot on the net and he's bringing the stick up for that slap shot, you know, right as the puck like gets to him and then whiffs on it. And it's like, it's just the, the tiny little like precise timing that you need uh, that you just kind of have to get with chemistry. Uh, but I think they're doing all the right things. They're nasty. Uh, they love just forechecking uh, the other the the other team's players against the boards, and uh, and I love seeing that in a team. I like a team with a nasty attitude. Uh, and they got you know a bunch of players that were just role players from other teams and are becoming 
you know, starters uh, for the Kraken, you know, uh, Tanev, who's never scored more than six goals in a season already has six goals with the Kraken. Um, you know, it's that kind of thing that I think is really cool. Um, so I like that Lazon guy. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I do too. He's, a, he's, a, he likes throwing his body around. Uh, I want goons. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Kraken has a lot of them. Tanev is a goon yeah. too. They love the just, uh, brothers. I need, I need goons. I think the Kraken have the most penalty minutes in the uh, NHL right now, which uh, I, I like that. I think that's good. That means, you know, they're, they're beating up some guys. They're bullies. Yeah. I like that. Anyway. I'm not going to lay it down jersey. There you go. There you go. Um, shall we move on to dorking? Sure. Let's do it. Curtis, what are you, what are you dorking out about? Oh, my goodness. I finally, after months of people pastoring me, if I've been watching the show, I finally checked out and binged in like two days reservation dogs. Now you have an indigenous background, is that right? I, I am I am Native American by way of my grandmama. Uh, was uh, raised on the Lummi Indian Reservation, uh, even though I'm not Lummi myself. Um, yeah, first eight, 18 years of my life was on the uh, on the reservation, um, uh, Lummi Nation, right up there between Ferndale and Bellingham, cozied up next to Lummi Island. Um, that was just a fantastic show. Um, you, you know, I know uh, Wikiki produced it and everything. And yeah. um, so I was anticipating it was going to be pretty funny, but it really, uh, it struck a nerve with me in ways in which I wasn't expecting. Maybe like subconsciously, that was one of the reasons why I was putting it off just because Sometimes source material is not the that hits kind of closer, isn't always like the first thing I want to grab towards. But uh, for the first time, I feel like, I mean, maybe kind of in my life, I sort of felt like a sense of a sense of representation. You know, I mean, I've always sort of viewed myself a bit of a mutt and. Uh, and just sort of seemed a story that's so fluently reservation life. Yeah. Um, it was just spectacular. Now, this takes kids. place oh in God. Oklahoma, but Oklahoma, did you yeah, see yeah, yeah. A lot yeah. of your growing up it, it represented in that show. Uh, so, yeah, this, that's kind of one of my favorite moments in the season was when one of the kids was at the tribal clinic and he was talking to the um korean american doctor that was there it was a really funny scene um and there was this whole exchange about like what you're chinese no i'm korean oh what are you inuit sort of thing like that and it's so i think that i've had a lot of uh non-native friends asking me about this show and I think to sort of, you know, to get a dialogue with me, of, you know, once I sort of viewed it and stuff, and I'm like watching this show and I'm like thinking like, there's a lot of, there's, 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 there's an aesthetic within the characters that is very, very reminiscent about a lot of, you know, the people that I grew up around uh, up there uh, in Lummi country 
but the Lummi uh, Indian nation is a pretty powerful, affluent um, Northwest tribe that has had like a lot of resources readily available. Like, so like, like the, the poverty and all that sort of stuff, you know, wasn't so much towards, you know, uh -huh. what I grew up with, you know, the, the things, the things that, you know, that sort of afflict a lot of native culture on reservations, you know, the, 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 the drug abuse, the alcoholism and stuff like that is all rings pretty accurate and true. Um, but like, uh, yeah, the, 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 you know, the sort of poverty kind of distinctions, I think are quite a bit different than, yeah than how I grew up with, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of Lummies have, you know, done pretty well for themselves money-wise, pretty industrious people to actually. I loved that show. Uh, I uh, was taken with it from the very beginning. Um, I love the aesthetic of it. The aesthetic of it. So, you know, Reservation Dogs is obviously a play on Reservoir Dogs, the mm -hmm. independent Quentin Tarantino movie from the 90s. But the aesthetic of the show is kind of reminiscent of those independent movies, those sort of like suburban independent movies of the 90s, which is very just raw, um, the coming of age story uh, that I really enjoyed. The other thing I loved about the the show was its depiction of um, it, it leaned into um, that reservations uh, that tribes uh, mysticism or culture, you know, uh, and so magic, which, which was rings true up thing. in the northwest too. That's mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, yeah, and yeah. and spirits, uh, spirit guides, and things like the, the yeah. they're they're real things in this universe. Um, and uh, and I I like it when a TV show will um, indulge that kind of thing. And you know, you don't necessarily have to be purely representational. Um, we can also play with presentational things, um, in order to communicate culture and story, and you know. All of that, Alana. You what a great job they did finding a cast! Like, oh, those that's kids. tremendous. Bear. I was stoked when I saw Gary Farmer uh, oh, yeah. play yeah. Uncle Brownie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I love that dude. Back in the, one of my absolute favorite films from the 1990s was Dead Man, and he freaking stole that movie. Yeah, uh, from Johnny Depp. Back the, the I mean, uh, by and all accounts. Anyway the casting directors went far and wide to find mm. representation. And there are many um, actors in that show where this is their first professional gig. They're Bear, is gonna Canada. Bear is going to get a Marvel movie. Um, <laughs> like, know, I'm, yeah. I'm certain of that. Yeah. Uh, they filmed it in Oklahoma, though. It wasn't... Oklahoma, yeah. It yeah, wasn't, Oklahoma. yeah, but there was the whole, like, the majority of the cast was Canadian, which I think. Oh, gotcha. Yes. Yeah. A lot of those kids were from Indian bands up around Toronto and, mm -hmm. you know, back east. Um, I'm looking forward to season two. Uh, and um, yeah, Taika Waititi, just uh, everything he touches is gold right now. He's just on the yeah. street. Um, I love that that, 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 that that wasn't like. I didn't feel like I was watching a show of his though. And uh, totally. He yeah. he he's yeah. using his position of power right now mm -hmm. to enhance and uh 
platform other voices. I and like love that. the fact that he's done that with somebody uh, as clearly talented and um, intelligent as uh, Sterling Harjo is is pretty awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Alana, what are you talking about? Um, so uh, the first thing is I went to Portland this last weekend. And I just wanted to give a quick reminder that Powell's is the best bookstore in, in the Pacific Northwest at the very, very least, and if not the whole country. It's just, there is so much en- book energy in there um, and touring it and going to it with a, an eight-year-old who loves to read, who's open to like reading the back of books and going, oh, this sounds like fun. We got her a book that was that's called the care and feeding of a pet black hole um and <laughs> she and i are reading it together and it's it's an emotional and comedic journey um that i'm i'm very glad we picked up uh, so just a quick shout out like don't buy and if you if you're doing your online shopping for uh the hol- a winter holiday don't buy from amazon buy from Powell's or buy from third place books or buy from Elliott Bay bookstore. Don't support these. Uh, don't like support. There's local. just no but reason. All there's no reason to go to bookstores have everything you need. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so quickly on that, uh, the, but the media that I consumed and uh, boy, did I binge this was um, uh, love life on HBO max. It's uh, basically it's, it's a rom-com. And it takes the premise that you, it, it's basically How I Met Your Mother condensed into a season. So, okay. <laughs> uh, which is great because How I Met, that, that like really hard formula, almost mathematical presentation of a story like that, where you're like checking off beats, um, is something that I really enjoy because it, it really engages both sides of my mind where like this creative storytelling and this like, oh, check mark, check mark, check mark there. Um, it, it makes a lot of sense. And so the first season is focused on uh, a character named Darby played by Anna Kendrick. And it's a Love very her. like traditional rom-com, you know, like she meets some people, she has relationships with some people. She moves on from those people. It covers like, I want to say about a decade of her life. Uh, and at the end you do meet her person. But the thing that was really successful about it is, or, or, or like intriguing to me is you meet her person and then you don't, you, you do not get to know her person at all. <laughs> it ends with a focus tight shot on her. And it's like, you see everything that she's gone through over the course of the season and all the experiences she's had and how that's made her evolve and how that's given her the life that she has now, a life that she didn't expect um, that she's kind of like engaged in now. So it's really good, really smart storytelling. Season two uh, there are there are three episodes into season two. Instead of focusing on Anna Kendrick, it's focused on William Jackson Harper, who's Cheaty from The Good Place. If you, if oh, you... I love him. And it's like steering really hard toward this like classic R and B sound in terms of the music. Um, it's very consciously about black love, uh, and in kind of knowing that they were bringing in a, a different type of character the showrunner and creator brought in a black woman to co-show run it with him so that the voices would be more authentic uh, throughout. Um, And William Jackson Harper, I mean, like charming, hot dude, like 
like he can get attractive, it. charming, great actor, funny, yoked as fuck, like funny. <laughs> um, surprisingly yoked as fuck. Yeah. And, and it's this season is like it's it's kind of almost playing more of a, as a two hander with him and Jessica Williams, who was um, uh-huh. she was a correspondent on correspondent the, on the, on the dating, dating show. show. Yeah, and and most people thought uh, she I would take her. over. Yeah. So yeah. it's she it's, should have taken over, but yeah. Right. Although I love Trevor Noah as well. Yeah. It's it's so charming. Noah. It's so charming. Uh, smart to- storytelling. Looks like they get into the pandemic in a different way this year. So I'm interested about that. But what it the most of all the thing that I'm like ooh ooh about is that they're gonna do a season three. I'm fairly certain that it's gonna re- get renewed. And it's like, well, we go from white woman and we go to black man. What's the next step? And for me, that's trans woman. Trans. Like they they could do a rom com that is centered on a trans woman and cast Patty Harrison, and it would be like absolutely revolutionary television. I, I would love that. Uh, and like, or cast a trans man. That's fine. But really, like, fuck Dave Chappelle. Cast a trans woman. And there um, are plenty of options. There was an HBO show uh, called High Maintenance, and I think their best episode uh, focused on um, trans characters and casting actual, like, trans actors, like, big revelation. Um, Maybe I missed that one. We watched for a while, but we didn't It's in the last season. Okay. The one that they did with Dan Stevens uh, before they moved to HBO, so he played a stay-at-home dad, but he was also a cross-dresser. And it was like, oh my God. Like, and this was like right after I came out and I was like, oh geez, oh geez, it's too much me. <laughs> I, uh, I've been, uh, I, I, I won't talk too much about it because there's, everybody's talked about this, but um, you know, there, there's the Sopranos prequel uh, that came out, The Many Saints in Newark. And um, in anticipation of that, uh, it's been a long time since I've watched it. I've been rewatching The Sopranos on HBO. Um, and I mean, fantastic show. We all know this, you know, um, but Rewatching it 20 years later was interesting because I can see the DNA of all of the prestige TV we have right now. And I was just like, it all goes back to The Sopranos. Like it all just like owes everything to what HBO, the, it's the risk that HBO took um, with The Sopranos and making um, these long season arcs and uh, and everything like that. And then uh, also just watching James Gandolfini do his thing in the prime of his life and, you know, posthumously, right? Like he's dead now and uh, and he's so fucking good in it and just sort of, I had this reappreciation of his talent. And I, I feel like with James Gandolfini, he's celebrated, right? Like we all recognize he was a great actor. And when he died, it was a tragedy and everything like that. But I, but at the same time, I still don't think he got the recognition that he was due because he is so fucking good in the show. Um, and then lastly, the other thing I wanted to comment about The Sopranos as I was watching it is just how deeply Italian it is. Like, culturally, there's so much about the food uh, and um, 
a lot of even the the toxicness of some of these old um especially you know east coast american italian families um and the way they treat masculinity and um and while i was i was thinking about this and you know every time there's a marvel wants to you know represent one of their superheroes that are in the comics are white and then they make them a different race in the movies and then you get all these fucking jack offs who are like but he's supposed to be white you know in the comics you can't make him black you know what if you made the, the black panther a white person you know you get all those arguments white and panther. black but yeah and then you're like well but like black panther like the his blackness is intrinsic to that character right and you try to make these arguments and whereas like for tony stark you can make tony stark a black man you can make batman a black man because their whiteness their culture isn't intrinsic to that character and i was thinking about this i was like because watching the sopranos like it's not that the whiteness is intrinsic to tony soprano and Mm -hmm. these Mm -hmm. guys it's the culture, it's the ethnicity, it's the Italianness of it. And it's like, you know, as a white person, I don't have a culture. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I'm at the top of the pyramid, you know, uh, in terms of privilege. Um, but these, you know, these guys on the East Coast who grew up in these Italian families who have a history of these years and years and years ago of being being oppressed and stuff like that they they do have a a culture like a very um specific culture uh and uh anyway i was just thinking about that and i was like well there you go like yeah maybe tony soprano can't be uh, a um a person of color or whatever but he has to be italian so i don't know i don't know i've been enjoying the tv show I have that uh, same association um, of sort of you look at the the beginnings of certain types of storytelling, and one of my all time favorite shows uh, was Homicide: Life on the Street, uh-huh. and I feel like it's also one that changed how other shows worked afterwards. They were the first television show to, I believe, to use the Steadicam and the circular shots, mm-hmm. and the way they told their stories and the way they told these gritty cop stories was just a whole new world for television and i was always very impressed that nbc kept that show running for seven years Mm -hmm. um but it's one of my all-time favorite shows just fantastic acting creators of that the wire they went on to do the wire Mm -hmm. yeah and and the wire has long been uh, um it's probably arguably my top all-time favorite show to watch yeah and owes a lot to the sopranos if the sopranos hadn't been successful hbo never would have greenlit the wire yeah yeah so uh but what i've been dorking out over is um i will spare you the details of the um horribleness of getting a new wireless plan um and just only say buyer beware if they tell you you can bring your own device they're probably lying to you Every time I switch a new phone, <laughs> like I get a new phone, I feel like there's always something that goes wrong. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This has been a saga for my family um, going on uh, like a month. 
but it's done. And we ended up on AT&T and uh, that meant that I got a free HBO Max subscription. So nice. there's that. So I uh, I locked that puppy in real quick and finally got to finish a show that every time there's some sort of free preview on cable, I get like one more episode of. So this was a big deal to me. <laughs> and it was uh, The Flight Attendant starring oh, Jimmy yeah. Coco. And I, I just gobbled up the final mm. episodes um, after waiting. So there was a lot of like, I just need to know what's going to happen yet. But it is... There is just so much to like about how this show was done, the storytelling, yeah. the acting. I was just reading up on it. I didn't know it was based on a book, but it's actually based mm-hmm. on a book. But to give you a little background, basically uh, Cassie Bowden, played by Kaylee Cuoco, who's always, you know, charming and has a she's, natural so likability. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's just, that's part of her character. She gets through life by being naturally likable, but she also drinks way too much and she parties too much. And she has this lifestyle that she just throws herself through life and she's a flight attendant. So she's got friends all over the globe and she's sort of jet setting in her own way. But um, she ends up uh, on a date from the plane with the, the wrong guy and uh, wakes up next to him murdered. And it just goes from there at this breakneck pace mm-hmm. of, you know, of course, her, she's trying to escape everyone who thinks that she may have been involved some way in this murder and um, basically decides she's going to play detective and figure this out. And so every story has is moving this plot along to its conclusion of, of who was this man. But the way the story is told, he takes up residence in her head. So there's, so he remains a main character in this story. This, you know, it's that connection you have every now and then where you meet someone and in the course of a night, you feel like you've gotten to know them so well and they're like somehow intricately part of your world, right? So he takes up residence in her head and she, as a result, ends up examining a lot of things that are going on in her life as she struggles her way through these situations. So it is considered a comedy and it's very funny and it's, you know, kind of a spy adventure kind of thing, but it's also this look into herself and who she is and recognizing trauma that she had never allowed herself to recognize, um, reconciliation within that with her family and her friends and confronting her alcoholism. It's all in there in these layers and it fits together in this really beautiful way that um, by the time you get to that final episode, it's just really satisfying. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Fantastic show. And um, like you, I highly recommend it. Now that you got HBO Max. (laughs) I have recommendations for you. (laughs) I have a recommendation for you. And this is, I I debated bringing this one up uh, this weekend and I might do it next pod, but- uh, Game of Thrones. I will no. I want you to watch Succession. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I've seen because Game of I want to I've talk about it because I love Succession. It is a total up. guilty so pleasure. We can talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Let's let's watch some Succession and uh, and because I, I want to talk about it. All right. You got it. And uh, Love Life is also on my high on my list. Hacks um, too. 
All right. I, I, yeah. Watch some HBO Actually, and, yeah, uh, and get the reservation dogs because it really is a terrific show that um, is unlike a lot of stuff out there. And that's mm-hmm. what I like about it. Um, we're, we're not going to be here next week. Seahawks got a bye week. So we're going to take a bye week, uh, but we'll, we'll be back two Wednesdays from now. Uh, we're here every Wednesday. Uh, check out Curtis's blog. We got 12life.com. He's got some great insights. Uh, in There's going to be some fun stuff coming up within the next week during the bye. Mm, I'm looking forward to it. Nice. You know, I know Curtis like a brother and, mm. and yet I, I look forward to his blog, uh, every time he has a post. Um, all right. My name is Daniel. For Curtis, Alana, Millie, the rest of the 12s, say goodbye and go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.